Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast, brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host, Cody Kitchen, sits across the table from Pastor John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and joined with me is Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, everyone. We are continuing our series in Luke. We are starting in Luke chapter 12, verse 1 through 12, with the title of the message this Sunday, Words Which Stop You in Your Tracks. And we took a little hiatus last week. John was was out, so we did not do a podcast. So I appreciate you all coming back this week. And um, John, as you prepare this message, what are some things that came to mind? Another good question you consistently ask each week, and as I have stated prior, I know it starts to sound like I'm in an echo chamber, but this text was a tough text. It's a tough text to study, to prepare a message, and then to deliver the message. A tough, tough text. However, not only is it a tough text, but also it was a very clear and I think a loving warning hmm. from Christ. I think it's important for us to keep in mind that Jesus was the most loving man who ever set foot on the earth. And the words that he expresses in that particular text, they are very hard to hear, very sobering, very personal. We all should take those words to heart and and think, very carefully about what he said. Finally, I think the text was very jolting Hmm. to our sensibilities. I think we all kind of get lulled to sleep thinking that, you know, I'm never going to have to answer for what I've done, what I've said, thought, whatever attitude I've harbored in my heart. Right. And Jesus was so crystal clear that we are going to give an account that our lives will be laid bare and exposed before God. And I made the comment in the message that really the only posture that we'll have before God is one of silence Mm -hmm. because what he says about us is true. It's not like he doesn't have all the information or he's only half informed or you don't know our side of the story. He does. Right. And so I was very concerned for my own life and self and thinking being confronted by the text but at the same time was driven to a deep place of gratitude that God knowing all this about me still chose to enter into a relationship with me through Christ that's what I was thinking that's good and to start out this podcast, I love how pointed Jesus is as he speaks to his disciples. Your whole sermon on Sunday was pointing to how Jesus's words were words that stop you in your tracks. And I know for me, it made me stop and check my heart and attitude. And I hope that the listeners as well felt the same. And each, you gave us four warnings in which Jesus gives us in this text. The first was we are warned to watch out for hypocrisy in verse 1. And you define hypocrisy as 
quote, the practice of having moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform the pretense, end quote, which you made the point that there are people who say they are Christian but do not act that way. And you point out that Jesus compared hypocrisy to leaven and it can start small and expand quickly. So my question is, how can we as Christians make sure we are avoiding hypocrisy in our own life? That's a good question. And at the risk of sounding overly spiritual, let me just apologize for that on the front end. I think for starters, we have to ask the Spirit to help us. And ask the Spirit to help us live authentic lives as consistently as possible. That's the starting point, it seems to me. And secondly is to utterly hate this sin when we see it in our own lives. I hate my own hypocrisy. And I just don't like it when I see it in myself. And I ask for God's help to be more consistent that what I profess is actually what I live so that my beliefs are informing my behaviors and that I don't have one set of beliefs and one set of behaviors, that they run on parallel tracks and they mirror each other. And I, I hate the hypocrisy in myself. I hate it in others, but I hate it in myself first. And I think that stems from just, at least in part, the fact that Jesus seems so consistent to point that out, it just seems to bug him that the religious people, who should know better, were so full of, they, they professed one thing and asked, put burdens on others that none of them felt any need to abide by themselves. No wonder he was just aggravated and nauseated by what they said and how they behaved, and I'm sure it's the same thing with each of us. And so for me, part of it is, oh, God, please help me to not be hypocritical. And when I see it in myself, to seek his forgiveness right away and try to correct course immediately. And this isn't all the time occurrence. I think if we're honest, we see it in ourselves too frequently. And, and if we're comfortable with it, then we've got a real problem. Hmm. And hopefully there's a a discomfort when we recognize it in ourselves that we want to correct. And like I stated in the sermon Sunday, when I talked about how, what is hypocrisy? I asked the question, what is hypocrisy? And I stated by saying, well, whatever hypocrisy is, we are much more ready to identify it in others than we are to identify it in ourselves. And I think we have to overcome that. So that would be at least my attempt at an answer to a good question. That's really good, and I appreciate your honesty. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we can find hypocrisy pretty quick um, on on a daily, hopefully not on a daily level, but I think it's definitely there. So thank you for your honesty. And and the second warning that we were given that you pointed out is that what is covered up will be revealed. And here you made a point to show us that we are not called to live a deceitful life, but one that is open and honest to God. And I love this statement that you made, and I think it's worth restating it again. You said, quote, 
The truth about our obedience, our sanctification, and profession of faith will be made evident. Your character will be revealed for the first time. We will see ourselves as we really are, and we will have no posture before God except silence. I know for me, it was a sobering reminder to always be in repentance and walking in obedience as he has called us to. And so one, I appreciate you calling that out and saying that. And two, that leads to the question of why do you think we as Christians, but more I think broader talking about we as people, want to quote unquote cover up our wrongs and for really for the new believer, what advice could you give them to walk in this forgiveness? Right. I think part of it is motivated by the reality that none of us honestly relish being exposed. Hmm. Uh, we prefer, according to the Bible, it's not John, according to the Bible, we prefer the dark to the light. Hmm. And we have to be brought out of the darkness and into the light, which is the work of the Spirit at work, of course, uh, in Christ. But the reality is, and this is a painful reality for all of us, although I think it has some measure of comfort too, is that we really are an open book before God. Hmm. There's nothing I can hide from Him. There's no place I can go to hide from Him. I mean, he's got me boxed in, not in a, like he's captured me kind of way, but he's just before me, behind me, to the side of me, he's everywhere, and he has a watchful eye. I mean, it's it's nothing short of mind-boggling to think that God watches over everyone, hmm. and not in a casual way, but in a detailed way, a thoughtful way, a careful, observing, the, every detail of our lives kind of way. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm also grateful for that, too. And then the other thing I'd say along those lines is I, I don't think any of us want to be diminished in the eyes of others. Hmm. And it's, it's difficult. I think it just takes a long time and a lot of maturity and maybe even a lot of years of life on the earth where we get to a place where we don't really care what others think of us. And this is yet another trait I so admire about Christ. He just doesn't care about what others think of him. Not that he was flipping and it's my way or the highway or take me or leave me, although there was some of that. It was more of a, I'm so dialed in to the life I've been called to by the Father. I'm so in step with God and he, Jesus even said, I don't, I don't even say a word that he doesn't give me to say. I don't do anything he doesn't instruct me to do. He was so in lockstep with the will of God that hmm. he had no reason to concern himself with caring what people thought about him. Now, every now and then he'd say, so what's, what's being said about me out there? And what, are you, what are y'all hearing? And they, the disciples would tell him, and he'd say, all right, now what do you think? Mm. He always turned it back to his followers, but Jesus was so secure in who he was, his sense of why he was here. I just don't think he gave two figs about what people thought about him. 
And I think all of us have to get to a place where we care less about that. But none of us are there 100%. Right. Um, so I think, I think that drives some of it for all of us. And, and, the, and the poor people who are, who are just, bless their hearts, they're total full-on people pleasers. What, what a nightmarish way to try to live through life where you're totally 100% concerned about pleasing everyone, which we know is impossible. But I, I think none of us want to be diminished in the eyes of others. And, and so I think that's part of what is driving that in each of us. That's good. That's really good. And, you know, I, I'll just go back to your statement that you made on Sunday that and it got me thinking, and I think even still thinking about it, that is that we'll have no posture, you said this even in your opening, is we'll have no posture before God except silence. As you know, you think about that so often, and you hear a lot, and I know that people just say this to say this. I've said this. I don't think we necessarily always mean it, but is you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God these questions, you know, and it made me think about it, though, in reality, like you said, and the example you used is, I think that's the only posture we're going to be able to have. And I think you're right on the money in in that, you know, that time of judgment, even for the Christian, we'll be held accountable. And I yeah. think it should be something that as people have listened to the message, and hopefully they have, if you haven't, I encourage you to go listen to it, is I hope that's something you think about is is and take seriously is that as, especially as a Christian, but really – Every human is held accountable for their actions and, and what they say and what they do and mm-hmm. even what they think, which is a sobering thought, as yeah. you said, that our God hears, sees, and knows everything about us. And so yes. hopefully, like it was for me, I hope the listeners feel the weight, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but just the weight and the severity of mm-hmm. Jesus' words here. As yeah, you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a full-on wake-up call, but... Yeah. It's also a reminder of how much we're loved. And that text goes on to talk about how significant we are and that if God values what we would view as an insignificant creature like a sparrow, Mm. and God cares even for them, providing for them, protecting them, watching out for them, just think about how much more he values us, which I would, you know, argue that we're, you know, we're like the crown jewel of his creation. Amen. so I, I think it's twofold. You know, it's, oh, man, is it a warning? But it's also a tremendous encouragement that we're valued that much by God hmm. and love that much by him that he would send Christ to pay our sin debt so that we could be reconciled to him. I, I can't even fully comprehend that. And more and more I'm, I'm having a hard time comprehending why he would do that. <laughs> I mean, look around. Man. Look around. Anyway. No, that's good. And it's a perfect transition into this third warning, which is we're warned about whom to fear. And you make the point that we are not to fear man, but fear God. Fear because he knows us better than anyone else. And as you just said, and you said it on Sunday as well, is you make the point, and you did it so well, that we are to fear God, but also know that we matter to God. And I, I thought you just really did that really well of, bringing that in of, you know, it may make us feel this way, but also know that we matter to God, and that's why it's so important to know that. Um, And so, again, I urge you, if you have not gone and heard his message, please go back and listen to it because there's a lot of good 
nuggets in that. So my question of that, of the third warning, is how can we practically fear God? And kind of a follow-up question to that is, what are some things maybe you have done in your walk to have a healthy fear of God? Great question. I mean, uh, you're really tossing some good ones my way, this particular podcast. And again, at the risk of sounding overly spiritual, in thinking about it, I, I think the starting point is reading the Bible. Again, I, I know I harp on this. You've got to read the Bible. got to read the Bible. You've got to be in the Scripture. You've got to think on the Word of God. You've got to saturate your mind and heart in, in the Scripture. I just don't see any substitute for that, mm-hmm. which leads me to um, one of the ways that my own fear of God has been fostered is to think upon His holiness. And I've done... A study. I've read some books, some very complex books, and some that were really simple on the attributes of God. Mm. And one of the books I read on the attributes of God really labored on His holiness and how we don't go far enough in understanding the holiness of God because every, it's like His holiness is the is the hub, and then all the other attributes are spokes off of that hub because everything God is gets back to the fact that he is utterly holy. He's not just a good guy. He's holy. Mm. And he's holy, holy, holy. And then I would urge listeners to look closely if you want a a biblical example of what it looks like to fear God in real time. Look at Isaiah 6. When Isaiah entered into the temple and the temple was filled with the very presence of holy God, he was scared out of his wits. I think it's fair to say he was more than terrified. He thought his life was over. He even says, woe to me, I'm ruined. And I'm ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and I have seen God. This is it. This is it. So those reading the Bible has nurtured my own fear of God. <laughs> Thinking on his holiness is has nurtured my fear of God. My sinfulness juxtaposed to his holiness has certainly stimulated my fear of God. Uh, and one, one final thought along that line. We all have to get to a place in our thinking about God where we think of him as more than just a heavenly grandpa. Most of our grandfathers were pretty patient. Pretty, yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm always going to love you. And we transfer that over to God, forgetting that he is holy, holy, holy. And he is offended and grieved by our sinfulness, by our sin. And he doesn't wink at our sin. He doesn't look the other way at our sin. He's not just, oh, boys will be boys. He is grieved and offended and the reason Jesus died on the cross is because God is holy and we are sinful and the scripture says he cannot even look upon sin so even if you tell a little white lie it grieves God it it offends his holiness so I think when we arrive at with the Lord's help a greater appreciation and understanding of his holiness it's going to provoke a reasonably healthy fear and awe of God in our lives. That's good. That's good. And in our the fourth warning that you talked about is denying Christ is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. 
And this warning is one that can bring a lot of confusion, I think, amongst the readers. And I thought you did a really good job of explaining it in this text of Scripture. And you start off with this warning by saying there is relationship between one's heart and mouth. And then you go on to say, if you believe in Jesus, you need to declare it. And I love that statement because I think it's so important for our listeners of this podcast, but just generally the listener, the readers and the listeners of Scripture to be reminded of how important it is to share and declare their faith in Christ. We are to walk and talk in a way that brings glory to God. And so my question to kind of wrap maybe all this up is how can we walk in a way that declares our love to the Lord? Great question. I think we, we have to go back again to the Bible. And Jesus himself said, that uh, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So I think one of the ways in which we declare our love for the Lord is obedience to the Scripture. I don't know of a better way, in, in fact, to be honest. Yeah, good. And if you're obedient to the Bible, to the commands of Christ, and the example of Christ, I think it's going to be evident to, first to God and most importantly that we love him. And then perhaps others who are observing our lives will see our love for Christ by the obedient nature in which we live our lives so I'd say obedience that's good and and I love just to point out not that you need it but I love that that you made that clear that our obedience to him is is our is our sign of affection towards him because we know I mean if you think about just in common everyday life even like with parents is in anybody that you follow what they ask you to do because you respect them and you love them and I think it's the same it's a, it's a simple concept, but it's the same with Christ, as you said, that it's a simple act of obedience that shows um, our love and adoration <coughs> for, for the Father. And so, so for thank you. Thank you for the, the solid answers this week. And um, as always, as we close, what are some final thoughts? Give us some last words of wisdom. Oh, boy. May God help us all because mm. we all struggle and we're all fellow fellow. Uh, pilgrims and trying to walk the authentic Christian life and and I just don't see how we do it without God's help because we are all hypocrites on some level and we need a revival of the hearts um, I know that I do and I'm, I'm I'm guessing I'm not alone in that I don't think so um, so you know this particular text, man, it was a gut punch for me, too. And I'm just glad that there's others who could share in the misery of it <laughs> and in the joy of it. Because I, I am blown away by the fact that all this is true about us. It's painfully true of me. But, wow, that God loves me anyway, but doesn't leave me there. He doesn't say, I'm going to love you anyway. You can live however you want. He's like, I love you. I sent Jesus, my son, to die for you. I've called you out of the dark into the light. I love you. I've set my saving love upon you. I've called you to my son. But I expect things from you. Hmm. I expect you to live an obedient life. I expect you to be holy as I'm holy. And, you know, you got to get it together, dude. And it's good. I, I think that applies for all of us. That's good. And. I think that's a perfect way to close. And as we transition into everyone's favorite segment, 
That's stupid. John is bringing it this time, so let's hear it. Well, I'll do my best. Uh, I want to talk about gas. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the kind of gas that frequently might visit you after a visit to one of the uh, <laughs> local uh, fast food taco places. I'm talking about gas we're pumping into our vehicles and the outrageous price of gasoline per gallon right now. And, and I just think it's hurting everybody. And it's tough to go to the gas pump and put $25 worth of gas in, and it does not get you very far. Mm-hmm. I remember just even a few months ago, I could I put $35 worth of gas in my pickup per week. And that got me to Dallas one night a week, and then all of my running around town gas. Can't do that now. No. And, and I just think, in part, it is stupid that we are paying these kinds of prices for gasoline. What do you think, Cody? I think that's stupid. That is stupid. I know it's not necessarily hilarious, but, man, it's where life is hitting all of us right now. Yep. And if you have multiple cars in your family and you're putting gas in those cars. It's stupid. It's stupid. That's for sure. We need some relief. Yes, and hopefully relief will be coming soon. <laughs> well, we worked that in good, really. <laughs> Gas and relief. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, guys, we are so thankful that you join us every week. And as always, and this isn't just something we say, but something we believe that we should do to end this session. Remember, make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Y'all have a great week. Yes, thanks. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.